Hi guys, welcome to part two of our podcast where we're giving you our ultimate guide to our medics money resources. If you haven't listened to the first podcast, then we'd strongly recommend that you go to that one first, which will give you our top tips numbers one to five and tells you a little bit why Tommy's hand right now is in a sling. But otherwise, I think we're going to just roll straight into it with tip six, which Tommy is going to tell you all about. The Medics Money podcast helps doctors, dentists and other professionals make better financial decisions. Hosted by myself, Dr. Tommy Perkins, a GP. And by me, Dr. Ed Cantelow, a GP, but also a chartered accountant and chartered tax advisor. This podcast is for general information only and does not constitute any form of advice and tax allowances and rates are subject to change. So if you haven't listened to part one, as I've said, I definitely would start there. Otherwise, it's not going to make much sense. But get straight back into it. Tip six, invest for the future. Okay, so in many ways, by training as a doctor or nurse, a dentist or other healthcare professional, you've arguably made a great investment in your future already. But unless you want to earn every single penny of your wealth working as a doctor, nurse, dentist or other healthcare professional you know, which is incredibly hard and difficult work, as we all know, then you need to think about other ways to earn money. And one way that you could consider doing this is by investing. And at this point, we have to insert some kind of disclaimer that past performance is no guide to future returns and the usual disclaimers. But I think there's a few reasons why healthcare professionals should consider investing, okay? Number one, it helps you to stop trading your time for money. You know, being a doctor is a great job. It's a job that I'm missing already. We get paid to help people and make them better. That, in my opinion, is one of the best jobs in the world. But it does require you to turn up and do the work. If I don't go to work as a doctor, as I'm not at the moment, I do not get paid. So I am effectively trading one hour of my time for one hour of money, okay? And that's fine. But if you ever want to stop working or work less then you need to have a way where you're not trading your time for money. And investing is one such way because whatever you're doing, your investments are earning you money, okay? So some people call this passive income. I don't like the term passive income because there's no such thing as truly passive income. But as passive income goes, investing in a low-cost, broadly diversified, tax-efficient portfolio, which I'm going to talk about in a bit, is pretty passive, okay? Another reason why I think doctors or healthcare professionals need to think about investing is something that I've talked about at length in a previous episode, and I can't remember what episode number it is, where I think it's called Early Retirement Strategies for Doctors. And basically, investing could be a retirement backup plan. So if you're in the NHS pension, great. It's an amazing part of our overall pay and rewards package. But the 2015 scheme, which we're all now in, differs from the 95 and the 2008 schemes in a few ways. And one of the key ways that it differs, in my opinion, is the retirement age. So in the 95 scheme, back in the day, you could retire at age 60, okay? And I'm ignoring special class and mental health officer status for the pension geeks out there. So 95, retirement age 60. 2008, retirement age 65, okay? Fixed. 2015 scheme... Retirement age is linked to your state retirement age. And this is a massive problem, in my opinion. Currently, for me, that would be 68. It'll be different for everyone because it's linked to your age. But the retirement age is linked to state retirement age in the 2015 scheme. And that is a big problem, okay? So there's a few things that you could do to rectify that slight problem. And one is to build up some investments on the side so that you could then retire at your desired retirement age, let's say 60, and then draw your pension at 68. And in those eight years in between, 
you could use the money from your investments, which you've saved up diligently, having listened to the Medics Money podcast, to fill in the gap, okay? Another reason and something that people say to us is that investing is risky and that cash is a much better place. Well, in the YouTube video that's linked in this section, I show you a chart which shows that if you invested £1 in stocks and shares in 1900, today that would be worth £386, okay? £1 turns into 386 historically. If you'd invested that in cash, that £1 over those years and years turns into £2. Okay, so cash is unfortunately not a safe haven. Interest rates are lower than inflation, which means the value of cash is being eroded every single day. So you might feel that cash is safe, but unfortunately it's not due to inflation. So it's just destroying the value of the cash, okay? And final thing to say, there's no such thing as a get-rich-quick scheme. But building your wealth slowly over a long, long time, using the strategies that I'm going to link to in a minute, like using a low-cost passive tracker and a tax-efficient ISA, is just easy. It just takes a while, okay? So stop trading your time for money and make your money work for you. The earlier you start, the more you can benefit from what Einstein reportedly described as the A-fond of the world compound interest, okay? So where to start, okay? So if you're an absolute beginner then I think episode 16, which is absolutely ages ago now, we should probably do an update, but still great. Episode 16 of the podcast, Earn While You Sleep, just talks you through the basics, okay? More recently, I did a YouTube video on some books to read if you're interested in investing. And on our YouTube, I'm doing more and more investing content because it seems like that's what you guys are interested in. So if it helps you, we're just doing more of it. So I'm going to link to another video below on our YouTube channel, which is just called Five Investing Mistakes to Avoid, I think. But anyway, the link is down below. So they just tell you the basics of how you get started. And in that video, you'll see just why getting started early is so important. You'll understand why cash is unfortunately not a safe haven. And we start to talk about ways that you could decrease your risk of losing money, which is something that all investors, including me and Ed, worry about. But actually, once you understand the markets and how it works, you'll realize that there are strategies that you can implement to reduce that risk. So investing is a massive topic. Hopefully, that's enough for people to get started. I've signposted you to some useful resources there. Yeah, sounds good. And also just make sure you consider using where you can your ISA allowances as well. And there's stuff about that in podcast 155, I believe is where I cover that tax planning tips for doctors. So ISA is really useful things. You know, we can never give investment advice, but it's a bit of a no brainer to, if you can put things into an ISA, they're tax free for both dividends, interest and capital gains. Yeah. And we talked about this a lot in the past as well. I think in how to retire early, we sort of compared the pension to an ISA. Because the pension is very tax efficient when you pay into it because you get tax relief on the contributions. And I'll talk about that in a minute. The ISA, you do not get tax relief on the way in, but the income inside it and the growth of that income and any subsequent payouts are completely tax free, which is just, Mm -hmm. I mean, it's beautiful. Yeah, no, it's really, it's a good scheme and definitely worth utilizing if you can. Obviously, not everyone can you know, put cash into uh, into the ISAs, but you get £20,000 a year to spread into various ISAs and so on, and definitely worth looking into. Yeah, definitely. And I think one advantage of investing these days versus when I started is that it's much, much easier now to invest. There's loads of platforms that help you invest, and you can just, you know, start with £50 a month. And if you can just get started, the earlier you get started, the better. So investing is a massive topic, but if you haven't got started with investing, have a look at our resources, have a look at the ebook. 
and just think about, can I get started investing as soon as possible? And if you've made a budget and you're spending less than you earn, you've paid down your bad debts that, and you've got some income protection and thought about your other protection requirements and optimize your tax position, that would be a great place to then start thinking, okay, investing time. Yeah, I hope that helps. Hi, Matthew here, and I've got under a minute to tell you five reasons to check out what medical school doesn't teach us, a podcast by Medics Money for med students at F1 Doctors. Number one, investing early. Find the true power of starting as early as possible and getting towards financial freedom. Number two, improve that credit score. You'll be very likely surprised at what can actually impact your credit score, but don't check it out just yet as I've still got three reasons why you should check out MSDTU. Number three, moving to Australia and beyond. What? Number four, entrepreneurs from across the world of medicine, from Beyond Health Tomorrow to EGP Learning, who are changing the game. Number five, your own well-being. Because seriously, what's more important than that? You can find all these episodes and more on your podcast player of choice. Search for what medical school doesn't teach us, or find the Medics Podcast Network. 47 seconds, boom. To those of our listeners that are interested in having a side hustle, Earning extra money is extremely easy and stress-free with today's podcast sponsor, Sermo. Sermo is a social media platform only for doctors that, among other things, offers paid medical surveys tailored to your area of expertise and which you can take from the comfort of your own home or on the go. What's more, you'll be able to connect with 1.5 million members worldwide, get second opinions and keep up to date on medical news. All for free. You can join now at sermo.link forward slash medics money. That's sermo, S-E-R-M-O dot link forward slash medics money. Hope to see you on there. Tip number seven. <clears throat> Although what I want to be doing. <laughs> Tip seven. Tip seven could be a book in itself, but I'm going to say look after your NHS pension. Okay, so your NHS pension is an incredibly valuable part of your overall pay and reward package. Okay, so I'm just going to go through the basics of it and then I'm going to signpost you to some resources and tell you a few checks that everybody needs to make on their NHS pension. Okay, everybody. So a pension is a tax efficient way to save for retirement. And I say tax efficient because, as I just mentioned, you get what's called tax relief on contributions to your pension. So, for example, a higher rate taxpayer paying 40% tax, if they put one pound in their pension, they get tax relief on this contribution. So effectively, that one pound contribution costs them just 60p, right? And if you're a basic rate taxpayer, you're paying 20% tax. So if you put one pound in your pension that one pound would just cost you ATP because the government gives you tax relief on it. Okay, so incredibly tax efficient. At some point, hopefully regular podcast listeners are now screaming at me saying, well, the contributions to NHS pension are tiered. And by that, I mean, the more you earn, the more your employee contribution. I talk about that a bit. And that's absolutely true. The tiering of the pension does, to some extent, remove some of these tax benefits, but not all. Okay, so that's just for the pension geeks listening. For everyone else, just take from me that, a pension is incredibly tax efficient. And then going forward a bit, the NHS scheme is what's known as a defined benefit pension, which makes it different and much more complicated than most other pensions available today, which are usually what's called defined contribution or DC. So NHS is DB or defined benefit. Most other pensions are DC or defined contribution. Okay, so non-NHS pensions or defined contributions, sometimes called private pensions, you and possibly your employer pay contributions into a pensions pot. 
And this pot would usually be invested in stocks or bonds, things like that. And when you retire, the amount of money in that pot is your pension. And the value of that pot depends on the performance of your investments. And once you've spent that pot, that's it. There's no more money available. Also, over time, inflation also effectively decreases the size of that pot. Okay, so that's how private pensions work in a nutshell. In a defined benefit pension like the NHS pension and some other public sector pensions, you and your employer pay a contribution. And this is more like a membership fee. And this membership fee buys you a pension at retirement and you will receive a defined amount, hence the name, of money each year until you die. Okay, so unlike a private pension in the NHS pension, there's no pot. It will never run out. It will just pay you a defined amount every year until you die. And this hypothetical pot in the NHS pension is protected from inflation, okay? And the amount that you get in your NHS pension can be based on your final salary, like in the 1995 scheme of the NHS pension, or it can be based on what's called your career average revalued earnings or care, like the 2015 section of the pension that we're all in now. So maybe a super quick worked example would just help you to visualize this, okay? And it's definitely one of those things which is better on a chart and a graph, but I'm going to give it a go on the podcast. So imagine you earn £18,000 of pensionable income in the 20, and you're in the 2015 pension scheme in the year 2022. In order to be a member of the scheme, you've got to pay your employee's pension contribution. And this contribution bears no relation to your pension, but it's more like, as I said, a membership fee. And as I mentioned, your contributions that you pay depend on your salary and it's in tiers. And regular listeners will know that prior to October 2022, member contributions for 18,000 of pensionable pay would be 5.6%. So that'd be £1,008 in this case. Now the new tiers are introduced, it would be 6.1%. So £1,098. Okay. And this £1,098 or membership fee buys you one year of accrued pension in the 2015 scheme. Okay. And the build-up rate is 154th, so that's sometimes called the accrual rate. So 154th of 18,000 is 333 pounds. And this goes towards your hypothetical pot, okay, for the year. So at the end of the year, we take this 333 pounds, which is, I'll say, a hypothetical pot, and it's revalued every year until retirement or until you leave the scheme. And this revaluation currently comprises of 1.5% plus CPI. So <laughs> way back when I first did this calculation... CPI would be 3.5%. Not anymore. Okay, so let's just say it is 1.5% plus CPI equals 3.5% back in the good old days when inflation was under control. So after the first year, you take that 333, okay, 333 pounds, and you multiply that 3.5%. And so that gives you 345 pounds. This accumulation and revaluation happens every year as long as you're an active member in the scheme and it's added together to calculate your final pension. So after 20 years, this £333 of pension accrued becomes £640 at retirement, purely just by that revaluation causing growth, assuming all of that stuff that stays the same, which is never going to happen, but I'm just trying to give you an example, okay? So let's just say your pay rises by 4% a year. Again, that would be... Uh, fantasy land yeah we wish this was written back in the good old days after 20 years that would give you a pension of 13,422 pounds every year at retirement and it also comes with other benefits okay like death in service payments if you were to unfortunately die survivors pensions children's pensions ill health retirement pensions okay so 
Hopefully that's just a quick summary of how the NHS pension works. Key take-homes are it's a lot different from a private pension. It depends on your membership of the scheme. It is very complicated. It's protected from inflation. And in general terms, not giving you advice, but it is a very, you know, usually an excellent deal. And I've just written an article, which is on our blog, which is 10 reasons that you shouldn't opt out of the NHS pension. It goes into much more detail there. I can link that. So what do you need to do? So even if you don't understand any of that, don't worry. You know, you'll get it in time. It's much easier than learning medicine, all of this, in my opinion. What you need to do is just look after your pension. So we've made a guide. And again, the link is down below. And you just download the guide and it will just show you the checks that you need to make. So absolute minimum, you've got to get your total award statement. Okay, usually it's on ESR, electronic service record. And you need to get your total award statement. I'm not going to go into details of what that is. It's all in the guide, okay? If you're a higher earner or you're concerned about annual allowance tax, then you need to get what's called an annual allowance pay and service extract. This is a relatively new thing, and it's really good. It comes really quickly. I think you said yours. Mine came in, like, less than 24 hours. Well, actually, I had a prototype version because we kind of helped NHS Pension make it. But anyway, mine came like that, but yours came quick. Yeah, about a week or so. Yeah. Pretty good. Okay, so annual allowance, pay and service extract, how you get it, it's in the guide, it's in the show notes, but if you're, yeah, I mean, it's a long URL, I need to shorten that, so that's how you get it. On our YouTube, we have a video called NHS Pension Explained 2023 Update. This is our most popular YouTube video, and thank you so much. Sometimes the comments on YouTube can be an absolute bin fire, but the comments on this are just so nice, so thank you so much for the lovely comments, it really helps to motivate us, but essentially, you're finding it useful, we've got plenty more coming where that came from so nhs pension explained on our youtube goes into a bit more detail especially if you're a high earner oh my goodness i mean that was an attempt to summarize the pension how did it go i think it was good i think people might be useful for people to have a look at the numbers that you mentioned to go through because it's you know nobody's ever going to say that the pension scheme is simple yeah. or that we can explain it quickly sadly it's one of those things that you know it's complicated and everyone knows it is but i think the key things are just as you said tommy like it's a it is a really good scheme remember it's a as we said a membership contribution pretty much rather than you know a link between your salary and what you pay etc and some people ask us questions they email us and they say well i want to make sure that my pension fund goes into ethical investments and things like that and that's a you know it's a fair point but this, the thing is as, as tommy said it's like a membership fee you're not actually that money doesn't go into investments like it would for a private pension so i just want i'd mention that because we've had a few more questions about that recently yeah. the other thing to say is you know tommy's gone through a worked example for you guys about how the 2015 scheme works which is brilliant if you get your total reward statement you should be able to see that in practice because that they give you a table which shows that each year exactly the calculation that tommy did where they take your pensionable income divide by 54 and then revalue it. And you can see that in the table on the TRS. So look out for that. It should match up with what Tommy was saying about in his hypothetical example. Yeah. And check out our YouTube. We've got some great pensions content on that. And I am going to hand over to Ed for tip eight. That's it. Yeah. So tip eight is all about making sure that you know about your marginal tax rates. And something that, again, you know, I go on about, I've gone about a few times now, but it is really important and a topic that I really want to make sure everyone knows about. So your marginal tax rate is the tax rate at which you pay on the next to one pound of income. So if you earned an extra one pound of income, what would your exact tax rate be? And 
you might say to me, well, look, Ed, that's simple. It's going to be 20% if I'm basic rate, 40% if I'm a higher rate, and 45% if I'm additional higher rate, with, of course, slightly more rates in Scotland. But actually, that's not necessarily the case, okay? So there are some cases where earning extra money may result in surprising and unfortunate tax consequences. And it's really important that people know about this because you can, by mistake, fall into some hideous tax traps, okay? The classic marginal tax rate trap that everyone, that most people will know about or might know about anyway, affects people who are lucky enough to hover around the £100,000 income mark. Because above this point, you start losing your personal allowance, that tax-free amount where you don't pay any tax on your income, okay? Above £100,000, you lose £1 of your personal allowance for every £2 above £100,000 that you go. And the effect of that is to mean that for every £1 that you earn you're actually paying a marginal tax rate of 60% rather than the 40% income tax rate you might expect. Because not only are you paying the 40% rate, but that one pound is now no longer being taxed at 20%, it's now being taxed at 40% instead. So you basically end up with a 60% marginal rate. And we talked about in the first episode of the, I can't remember which tip it was, but we talked about, you know, making sure that you look into saving as opposed to earning. Now, Again, we, in general, very much in general, saving a pound is better than earning a pound. That is a very general thing to say because there are definitely situations where earning more money is better. And, uh, you know, there's a whole host of reasons why earning more money is better. OK, so we're not trying to say, you know, cut back all your savings much better than earning more, any more money. But think about this. If you were to, for example, earn exactly £100,000 and you saved £100 of your expenses, that's £100 that is now yours to spend. If you earn £100,000 and someone offered you the chance to earn £100 working, well, what would happen then? So you receive £100 in theory, but actually you're going to be paying a marginal tax rate of 60%. So £60 of that £100 is just going in tax. And that ignores the 2% national insurance contribution. That ignores your pension contribution. That ignores any student loan repayments you make. So quite quickly that 100 pounds that you've earned extra you know is going down rapidly you know already you've lost 60 pounds just to tax ignoring everything else and bear in mind that's just the kind of the classic marginal tax rate trap because there are some other areas which are even more punishing so if you have children and you're utilizing the tax-free childcare scheme and you have a just under £100,000 of income, and then that goes up above £100,000, you then lose the entire entitlement to that scheme, which can be really expensive and not expected. A lot of people just don't know that, you know, and why would you necessarily? Above £50,000, if you're claiming child benefit, that will begin to get clawed back by the government. Until above £60,000, the whole amount needs to be repaid. So there are certain situations where earning money can have quite serious tax consequences. And it's really important to, to know about those, okay? Just to make sure you don't get stung by them. If you want more information on this, then we would recommend that you check out our podcast, which is episode 112, where we talk about the title, Don't Get Stung by the Marginal Rate Tax Trap. Definitely recommend that you guys check that out if you haven't already. Also got a blog article that you wrote, which breaks it down oh, yeah. in a lot more detail. And on that podcast... We talked about what I think is the worst marginal rate of all, which is that if you're claiming universal credit, there's a ridiculous marginal rate there for the people that really just do not need that at all. You know, you're you're yeah. struggling to get off universal credit and you're trying to earn your way out of trouble. 
And then what happens? The tax system gets stings you with, I think it's like a 60%, 60%. I think it's more than that. I think it's quite hideous because, yeah, you lose your universal credit payments or some of it. You then start paying income tax and national insurance or whatever. Just the whole thing is a mess for some of the poorest people in society. And it's, yeah, yeah it's pretty hideous. So, yeah, yeah some of our patients are getting stung even worse. So, yeah, definitely check out the podcast, the blog, however you want to get your information. Definitely worth knowing about that. Okay. Should I do tip nine? Yes, mate. Um, Tip nine, okay, admittedly, now this is a really general category, okay? It's kind of like an other category because when people say to us, great, uh, you know, thanks for the resources. We want to, I want to start getting into all the sort of this side of things and learn more about my finances. Where do I start? Well, you know, we've gone through, you know, tips one to eight are some of what we think are really important tips to think about or topics to look into. But of course, everyone's different, okay? Everyone has different circumstances and people have different information needs. So this is a very general category. I, we don't really have a proper title for it, but the point is that there is a wealth of information on our website, our podcasts, our YouTube channel, I think Tommy mentioned Instagram, all these things, okay? So there's lots of information on there. Some of the more popular topics that we get asked about, you can check them out as follows. So a lot of people ask us about using limited companies. A lot of doctors wonder if they would benefit from utilizing a limited company now we go through into that in some detail we've got a very detailed youtube video all about using limited companies which goes through the calculations of what would happen if you use a company instead of being employed or being self-employed and compares how much you'd have to pay as an example and what the consequences are because it really needs to be considered very carefully if you're going to use a company or not so some people think because the corporation tax rate is lower than the income tax rate and there's no national insurance and so on that actually it's a bit of a panacea and using a limited company would be a great thing to do but actually it is really complicated so if that's something you're interested in and you want to know about it check out our youtube video okay national insurance now i know that tommy gets a little bit bored by this but i'm still very much interested in it if you want to get more information on what is effectively another tax another liability for you all check out our blog on this okay so we've got a blog all about national insurance and in particular if you have multiple employments with multiple different trusts then check out the blog to see if you've been overpaying national insurance okay because it's not the most common thing in the world but it definitely can happen and we've had lots of people I say quite a few people anyway, not lots and lots, but quite a few people will write into us and say thank you for that because we didn't know about it. And why would you know that you've been overpaying national insurance? You know, nobody would have been telling you this. Okay, so definitely worth checking that out if you're interested. Now, just as a point out for those who watch on YouTube that I happen to coincidentally be scrolling on my phone while Ed talked about national insurance, not because I find it incredibly boring, but because I was just trying to find the episodes for the next tip, which is family finances. So family finance is obviously something that I've got a vested interest in. So we have a ton of things on this. There are some amazing tax benefits to having a family that you need to make use of because childcare is incredibly expensive. Families in general are incredibly expensive. So podcast episodes 86 to 88, which is what I was scrolling my phone for during your excellent national insurance. Fair enough. I thought you were checking the blog out. (laughs) (laughs) Episode 86 to 88 just takes you through family finances and we also have another one called how the financial pros handle their family finances i think that's episode 134 on our youtube we have a 
YouTube with a best-selling author of a book designed to help you teach your family about finances. And this is something that I've been focusing on a lot. So we talk about that as well. So I'll put the link to that and how to teach your kids about money because it's great that you're here learning about money, okay? But if you've got kids, you need to teach them about the money as well ASAP. So yeah, that's a few links there. And I'll hand back over to you, mate, for the final one. Yeah, because there's just one other sort of thing to mention, which we asked about is to do with miscellaneous income or in particular cremation form income, because a lot of people get some checks here and there and want to know what the tax consequences of getting that payment in. And we have a blog all about it. It's a quite a popular blog. It's quite old now, but it's still in date because it hasn't changed at all. So there is a blog about what to do with income that you receive for completing cremation forms. Okay, so if that's something you want to know all about and interested, then check out the blog on our website. Yeah. And I think, yeah, I, we haven't actually had that many questions about that recently. So I don't know if that's people, you know. It gets coming, a lot of traffic, that blog. Traffic, yeah, it's only people just Googling that and finding our blog and using it because no, we haven't had a question on it for a little while. But that's what Medics Money is all about. Like anyone who's ever sent us a question by email, that just helps to make this whole thing better. Okay, we rely on your feedback. I mean, we're doing this episode because people came to see me in hospital and say, I love your podcast, but where to start? So I really hope that these episodes have helped you to know where to start. And cremation form income, I mean, spoiler alert, if it's under £1,000, probably you're all good, basically, is my recollection, because yeah. it's miscellaneous income, which was originally designed to like get people off the hook of from eBay and having to file self-assessment. Was that there? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they're trying to stop. Oh, mate, multi- I was listening. You were listening. Absolutely. Yeah. So multiple people with like, a, you know, eBay sellers, there's like, you know, thousands of them at the time and making small profits and the tax managers can be bothered to get them all to register for self-assessment. So they said if it's below £1,000 of trade income or a miscellaneous income, you don't have to declare it or pay tax on it. And uh, that includes cremation form income which the hmrc have deemed to be a miscellaneous income so so yeah tommy is exactly right You've, you know no need to look at the blog anymore don't ask me anything about national insurance because i wasn't paying attention <laughs> right. for that one national insurance quiz after this <laughs> tip 10 the final tip okay and this is i'm going to call it get the right advice for the right price okay so we started medics money because we realized that doctors and other healthcare professionals didn't get taught anything about how to manage their money. And we're a big fan of if you can do it yourself and empowering you to help yourself to do it. For example, using our free tax guide, which I think has had over 40,000 downloads now, which is amazing. The ebook, this podcast, it's all helping you to help you do it yourself. And we're big fans of that, okay. But at some point, in some circumstances, it's likely that all of you would benefit from specialist advice, whether it's talking to a specialist financial advisor about your income protection insurance, which I sincerely hope you're going to do as a result of listening to this, or asking a specialist medical accountant if you're a locum GP or if you're earning a certain amount, what can you do or should you use a limited company for private practice? Okay. The reason that we started Medics Money was that we noticed that non-specialist advisors were more likely to get things wrong. And that's no judgment on those non-specialists. It's just a reflection of the doctors and healthcare professional finances are incredibly complicated, okay? And you need a specialist who actually understands doctors. And so we built a list of the best specialist medical accountants, best independent financial advisors. Remember why independent is important from the first part of this episode and best whole of market mortgage advisors that specialize in doctors. And as I said, we match your unique circumstances to the best advisor for you. We've matched over 10,000 doctors now, which is amazing. So 
there's a lot that you can do yourself. It's a bit like medicine in a way. Like think of this as like triage. And if we can encourage our patients to look after themselves and lead healthy lifestyles and do that, that's going to be the majority of things. But eventually they might need expert help. And that's where we come in as doctors or other healthcare professionals. So yeah, if you need help, you need to make sure you get the right advice for the right price. Unfortunately, most non-specialists have absolutely no idea about how doctors' finances work. And that's why we built out the ultimate list of advisors on Medics Money and we can match them to you if you need them. So I think that's a mammoth mega yeah, I think I think that's that's all for now, I think. Brilliant. Um, I'm off to do some hand exercises so that I can keep rehabilitating and pick up the kids. this hand and to pick up the children. Thank you so much for listening. If you know anyone that would benefit from this, just share this episode and the previous episode with them. It's the best place for them to start. Hopefully, if you've got any questions, you know to hit us at team at medicsmoney.co.uk. We rely on your questions and feedback to make this better. We're heading into a million downloads of this podcast now, which is absolutely ridiculous because I remember about three years ago, we weren't in such a nice room as this. We were in my freezing cold garage recording the first episode. Yes, things have changed, definitely. That was uh, freezing and, yeah, a bit dank. But, you know, you know, I miss it in some ways a little bit. <laughs> I don't. But thanks so much for listening. Thank you for all your support. Yeah, thanks, and guys. we will see you on the next episode, which is always released on a Tuesday irrespective of if one of us is in hospital. We just keep the show rolling. And thanks so much for keeping the show rolling while I was away, mate. Yeah, no problems. And yeah, thanks for listening, guys. I hope you find it useful. And just let us know if you have any questions. Take care. Cheers, guys. Bye.